If you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. Today's chat's been brought to you by International Horse College. International Horse College's motto is people safety and horse welfare, and you'll find this message throughout our chats. Registered Training Organisation number 31352. Today our guest at Horse Chats is Lisa Ponson from Byron Bay Natural Horse Centre. How are you, Lisa? I'm well, thank you, Glennis. How are you? Yeah, I'm excited, Lisa, to talk to you. We've got 10 steps to a wonderful relationship with your horse. And for people who haven't heard Lisa before, just go to horsechats.com, search for Lisa, L-I-S-A, or search for Podison, which is P-O-D-O-S-I-N, and um, listen to that one first and then come back and listen to the 10 steps to a wonderful horse relationship with your horse. Lisa, why this subject? Do you know what makes this dear to your heart that you wanted to talk about this in particular today? Well, I think uh, these steps are quite simple and they're something that we naturally um, are able to do. We don't have to have any special skills. And what I found is that all of them will dramatically improve your relationship with your horse across the board with everyone, with every horse. It's the easiest thing you can do and the fastest way to really connect. And and everyone really wants a good connection with their horse. Mm. Yes, and I think it's going to work for every horse across the board. Then it's certainly worthwhile everyone listening to. Yeah, definitely. The first step you've got is to let go of your expectations. So just explain what you mean by that and how we can work with that. Sure. Um, Animals respond to authenticity and presence. And when you can drop into your body and be present, there's actually very little, little to be concerned about. And the very nature of having expectations is a lack of presence. So the first few steps that I have are let go of your expectations and be present. So they're intertwined. When you're having expectations, that's living in the future. And it's living over there because you want something to happen. And if you're able to just be here now, your horse will actually want to be here with you as long as there's no reason not to be. Okay. Okay. Because the next one you've got is to increase your presence, the next point you've got. And, yeah, it's interesting. Just keep talking. This is, this is very good. I think, you know, just to let go of your expectations is one thing, but increasing your presence that's really focusing on something with a bit more depth, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And, and we can all do this, and this is a great practice. Um, I think the highest expression of your love for another, whether it be for a horse or a human, is giving your full presence. And... Um, being present in the moment without judgment, without expectation, is the foundation of all relationships. So our ability to be with what is and accept what is and recognize what's actually happening in front of us, I feel like that's the way that we have an opportunity to learn and grow and see the truth. And being in that state 
is how we connect with our horse. And this is what our horses want from us. And this is what life actually wants from us. And this is what the horses actually help us do. If we're able to practice this with horses and bring it into our, our, our everyday lives, our entire life can be improved. So I think this is a great gift of horses. I think what's interesting is that, as I said before, everybody wants a connection with, with horses. But my question is, what if that looks entirely different to what you think? So we're drawn to their majesty and we, and then, and then what, what happens is we take everything away from them. We often keep them uh, in, in uh, paddocks on their own. So we take their friends away. They don't have as much freedom. They might live in a box or a stall. They don't have the space to roam. And then when they come out, they're told to behave in a certain way so they don't have freedom of expression. And then we wonder why they're mentally or physically unwell. And then we'll go and we'll spend lots of money on vets and supplements and trainers to try to get them back to health. And I feel the underlying problem is the system. And the system isn't there to support the horses. The system supports the humans. So in liberating the horses from that system, we liberate ourselves from worlds of control and indoctrination. And I feel that healthy horses need very little from us. And we need to get present to what that is. Very simple. It's, it's food. It's, it's grass. It's, um, and, a, and a qualified dentist as well. So they have teeth that can chew properly. Fresh water, friends in the form of a herd shelter and the freedom to move and this includes both space to roam as well as proper hoof care and i think that um, most of us have been indoctrinated by pony club or standard equestrian practices that present one way of being with horses and i believe there's a different way a kinder way a more ethical way and ultimately a more fulfilling way to interact with them and these steps are the steps that actually take you to that next level and it's so simple it's just a matter of being present to what's in front of you. Um, I could go on, but I don't know if you want me to go on. <laughs> yeah, we'll, go, well, I think, you know, we'll keep talking about a bit more. But I think the question you asked about what if what you want looks entirely different to what you think, it puts you into a little bit of a different mindset, doesn't it? You know, that you can open your mind to other possibilities. Exactly, exactly. So. That's why all these steps are, are quite connected. Mm. So, for instance, the next step would be listen when your horse says no. So, in the old paradigm of horsemanship, there was a thing, show him his boss. I was told that when I was a kid, and it, it implied that when the horse does something other than what you want, you have to enforce your wishes. Otherwise, the horse gets his way, and you're perceived as not having control. And I believe that this is, this is actually incorrect. And that if we don't listen when our horse says no, then our relationship is going to be destroyed. Just like if we had a friend and, and they, they had a, a comment or a desire and we just ignored them and then persisted with our own um, idea of what we wanted to do. It's not the way to have a relationship. So, for instance, what it looks like is, if I see this sometimes, you know, somebody might go to um, put a put a saddle and a bridle on their horse and go to get on, and the horse tries to turn around and bite them, 
And the horse says, oh, I'm sorry, the horse, the human says, oh, you know, the horse is being naughty and this isn't okay. And why is he biting me? And I need to train this horse better. But the reality is if we're present to what's actually happening and we're listening to what the horse is trying to tell us, which is for some reason they're saying, please don't ride me. It could be anything. It could be um, their hoof is in pain, their back is in pain, the saddle doesn't fit right, something's not right, they're not comfortable, they're not secure, they're not confident. Something we need to listen to. And I, I find that a lot of people feel that training is going gonna, is gonna to fix it if they find the right trainer to help them through it. But it's actually a matter of the, the first three things. Is a ride actually that important for you or is a relationship with your horse more important to you? And that's the first question. If you go, of course, a relationship with my horse is more important. I don't need to go on a ride today. Then we can continue talking and say, well, let's have a look. You know, let's have a look what's going on. And then we increase our presence to what's happening in the situation. And perhaps we start removing the gear. You know, perhaps the saddle isn't quite right or the girth is pinching or who knows, you know, we can check their feet and see if a, maybe there's a nail in a hoof or who knows, but it's a, it's a process of exploration. So I think you let go of your expectations or your agenda, which is I want to go on a ride today. You're present to what's actually happening. My horse is turning around and trying to bite me. So something isn't right. And they're trying to tell me something. And three, listen when he says no or she says no. And, and actually see them as an individual, a, a divine being equal to yourself. And they're, they're trying to tell you something. So you have the courtesy and the understanding to, to try to figure it out. Why are they saying no? And so um, that's why those steps are all very much intertwined. Yes. You said that the horse says no because they're, you know, biting, putting on a saddle. But what other ways can they say no? Oh, it's a variety of things for, for any kind of horse. It might be um, that the horse doesn't want to move forward. The old, the old paradigm, the standard practice would be, oh, your horse doesn't want to move forward. Apply more pressure. Give him a little bit of a kick. If the kick doesn't work, try a bit of a whip. If the whip doesn't work, try a bit of a spur. If that doesn't work, it's, it's increasing pressure, escalating pressure. And this is the fastest way to destroy your relationship with your horse. And I found over the years that either um, applying more pressure either numbs the horse out, so they're pretty much a robot, and they're completely helpless. Um, there's a condition called learned helplessness, which I'm sure you're familiar with. Sure. Or they, they, they can become aggressive so and sort of non-compliant, let's say. Mm. So both ways aren't really great. So... Practicing these super simple steps that anyone can do. You don't have to be, you know, fit. You don't have to be talented. You don't have to be smart. You don't have to be anything. These are the simple things that you can do to to change what's happening. Mm -hmm. So if your mm -hmm. horse doesn't want to want to go forward, think about it. You know, it's different in every situation. Maybe maybe they don't want to go to the arena. They're bored in the arena. Maybe maybe they're in physical pain. Maybe um, they don't want to leave their friends. Maybe um, they're not comfortable um, with where you want to go and it scares them. Or maybe they don't want to go into the horse float because then when they get to some sort of event, there's more pressure and they find the pressure is um, uncomfortable and, and not fun for them. Um, so it could be so many things I couldn't, you know, the, the list is, is endless. 
But um, I think the, the basic premise is to avoid conflict at all costs. So if your horse is resisting or trying to tell you that they're not comfortable or they don't want to move forward or they're biting or they're kicking or they're any kind of behavior that, that shows you, you know, their ears are back, they're pushing their tail. You know, most horse people know these signs. Um, at least they should. Yes. Um, yep. Then we need to we we need to take notice mm-hmm. and try to remedy the situation in a way that is supportive to the horse, which is ultimately supportive to our relationship. And and of course, then we're going to all have more fun. You know, if if, I, if the horse is happy and the relationship is good, then no matter what we're doing, it's going to be it's going to be fun. Yeah. And that's really the point, I think. So I think the point is to have fun and enjoy being outside, enjoy being with the animals, enjoy being with nature. Yeah. I think that brings us on to the next one is um, spending unstructured time with your horse because that's fun. A- absolutely. This is this is a really, really nice thing to do. I didn't realize how lovely it was until I started doing it because I was always busy doing something. I was, you know, cleaning tack or cleaning the paddock, picking up manure or uh, organizing things or riding or lunging or, you know, you're always sort of doing, doing, doing. And and that's sort of how humans operate. We feel like we're achieving things and, and spending unstructured time with your horse is exactly the opposite. It's, it's what you do with your close friends. You know, isn't it lovely when you get to hang out with your best friends and, and just, I don't know, putter around the house or go for a walk or eat nice food, maybe have, you know, a little bit of exercise or swim or lie in the sun, have a drink, have a laugh. You know, this is what I love doing. And, um, and often we don't have a plan. So it allows us to just go with the flow. I find these times are precious and, um, and then when we have the freedom to just be, then the magic happens. And if we're always bound by some kind of plan, then there's no room for that freedom of expression and relaxation of just being together. So if you bring this into what does it look like with your horse, it could be sitting in the paddock while your horse grazes nearby. Um, it can be, I love this. In the morning, I find my horse is lying in the sun in the paddock. And I just, I just go into the paddock. I bring my yoga mat. And I lie on the grass with them and they're not scared because they know that I just chill out with them. And to tell you the truth, it looks like nothing is happening on the outside. If, if, if you saw me, you'd be like, oh, yeah, there's Lisa lying in the paddock doing nothing again. <laughs> but on the inside, it feels like heaven. It feels like my heart is expanding. And that's where I find connection. It's when we're just hanging out together and, and enjoying each other's presence and there's no plan. Um, there's no expectations. There's no desire for your horse to, or, or yourself to do anything or be anything different than exactly who you're both being in that moment. And so whatever, you could go in the paddock and bring a chair and read your book. And um, I recently spoke with a liberty trainer named Martin Contreras Carrizoza, and he swears by this. He says, Going in the paddock and sitting in your plastic chair or timber chair, I should say. We're trying to get rid of plastic in this planet, but um, bring your chair out there and just sit. He says, this is the way you connect with your horse because they're not being asked to do anything and they can choose to come and be with you. And I think that's a big thing is allowing them to have the choice without any pressure. So just chilling together. 
Yeah. All right. Now, I'll just go over these again. So letting go of your agenda or your expectations, increasing yes. the presence, listen when your horse says no, spending unstructured time with your horse, and now number five is mean what you do. Yes, yes. Well, I would say mean what you do is super important, but I would say number five, if I was going to pick the top five, mm. it would be the golden rule. And we all know the golden rule. And I'll get back to mean what you do, but I think the golden rule is um, it's a bigger step. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that is to do unto all creation as you would like done unto you. So if we can, if we can, I mean, it really doesn't need an explanation. I think all of us can understand this. But if, if you are able to cultivate compassion with all beings, your relationship is going to thrive. And I find that everyone wants to be seen. I want to be seen. I want to be heard. I want to be recognized for exactly who I am. And I think that's what the horses want as well. And um, it starts with being compassionate towards ourselves and not placing judgment on ourselves and expectation on ourselves and false beliefs onto ourselves so that we can do the same for others, including our horses. So... You know, some maybe trainers would say or, you know, life would say you have to do this and this and this and then you're really succeeding. And what I'm supposing is you don't have to do anything. If you want to lie in the sun with your horse, go for it and watch that relationship thrive. Then when you spend time doing, you know, let's say nothing, <laughs> seemingly nothing, um, then you're able to do everything because then let's say I want to go to the beach with my horse. I, I pop up in the float, they walk on, they go, cool, this is going to be fun because it's not full of pressure. You know, it's not full of demands. It's not full of, you must obey me at all costs or else, you know, let me get my, my gear to train you out of that and put more pressure on. And that's what I'm really rebelling against because I have been trained in that system. I grew up just like everybody else, you know, you know, show them who's boss mentality. And, and I guess what I really want to stress is the importance of stepping out of that indoctrination and having a look at it, you know, in, in, in all aspects of our life, you know, how we live, what we eat, what's on our plate, um, what we think about, who we hang out with, and um, to really look, does this make sense? Does it make sense? to um, have our horse trot around in circles around us, you know, uh, and, and go faster when we want them to go faster and go slower when we want them to go slower. And I mean, is this making, making you both happier? And if it's not, well, then try something else, you know, lie in the sun for a while and go for a walk together. Sometimes that that's really nice or go to the beach, but, but not necessarily go for a 10 K gallop, you know, just make it, make it, easy and uh and soften soften your stance maybe that's what that's what I, I've kind of come to do maybe I maybe I'm just um you know I'm letting go of goals mm-hmm. in the olden days like I mentioned in the first interview I I originally wanted to go to the Olympics and it's so funny because I, I couldn't be further from from that place now but I I find I'm so happy and my horses are so healthy and they, you know, I call them and they come galloping up to me to, to say hi. And it feels really amazing. And I love having the horses in my life, but it's just, it looks different. And that's why I say, you know, what, what would the, the perfect setting look like to you? It might not look like 
Grand Prix dressage, and that's okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. I think just laying in the sun, yeah, and getting that connection, <laughs> you know. I can imagine you're just laying in the sun and, and people saying that about you, but, but I understand. I understand that that's what you're doing. Well, I think that that's the foundation of our connection is one of seeing each other as divine beings. Mm. And my horses respect me. I actually, um, about five years ago, I got a horse that was quite aggressive and she was kicking and biting and rearing and fucking and just everything terrible. And um, it's been several years. But at this point, she's the one who, when I, I come home and I call out, she's the one who comes galloping over. And I can hop on her with a halter and bareback in the paddock, and she's absolutely fine with that. Um, if I choose to, or I can take her to the beach or throw her on the float and we just go for an outing. And I think that when you have that ability to just be with them, then it doesn't matter. You can be lying in the sun or you could be at an event because the trust is, the trust is there. So I think that's the key. And um, if we're able to just abide by the golden rule um, and imagine, you know, what would a horse is like? If you were that horse, what would you want? Mm. Um, it's a great start. It's a simple thing, and it, and, it, and it makes sense. Okay. Okay. Just wondering about that mean what you do, about increasing clarity in your movement, your intention. Can we come back to that? Definitely. Mm. Definitely. That's a great thing. I got, actually got that from uh, Mark Langley when I spoke to Mark Langley, yep. and he said that was one of the most important things that he could tell anybody. And I thought, yep, it's true. Because in anything that you do, if you mean it and you take action, it demonstrates what you mean in your heart, then it's going to be understood. If you pat your horse, mean it. Really send the message of love and respect and satisfaction, not just a good whack on the neck. You know what I mean? It's like there's a difference. As well, if you if you need to do something with your horse, you need to move him, you need to get him somewhere, it's important, then you have to have the strength and the confidence to say, this is what we're doing. And when you have that that intention, that strong intention, Linda Kohana calls it, calls it congruency. Um, and you, your thoughts and your physical posture exudes the intention, then your horse says, yep, no problem. Because they trust that, you know what you're doing. And I think the only exception, um, well, let me, let me say, let me say, I'll give you a little story. Uh, one day I was a bit sad and I went into the paddock and I thought, oh, maybe my horses will make me happier. So I walked up to Bob and I tried to put on a happy face for him. And he looked at me and he walked away. And I, I just started crying. I was like, oh my God, even my horse is walking away. And I feel that it was because I was being a phony. I was sad and then I tried to hide it and I pretended I was happy. So it was like I was a fake. And I don't think that that's the way to um, really build trust in your horse. So if you feel something, then, you know, feel it. Mm -hmm. Um, The only exception I would say is if you feel angry or frustrated, I would suggest not actually doing anything with your horse at all and go have a rest go have a cup of tea, do what you need to do to take care of yourself and spend time with your horse when you can let go of those negative emotions because it'll only be disappointing and unhelpful. So um, it's good to either be in a neutral state or in a congruent state. 
Um, so by neutral, I mean not highly excited or not depressed, you know, somewhere just stable. And I think horses just really want someone that they can count on. It's emotionally and physically stable. So that builds confidence. So meaning what you do is just, you know, having that, that congruent intention that follows through with your action. Okay. All right. The next point we've got is um, to be your horse's comfort zone. Yeah, that now these, see, I, I've had a lot of mentors, as you can see, I mentioned a few names, you know, Mark Langley, and um, I, we mentioned in the last interview, some different books from Michael Bevilacqua and, and this one, Be Your Horse's Comfort Zone, this is from John Chatterton. And John Chatterton was one of my first mentors when I came to Australia. He is a natural horsemanship master. He's got a book called, I think, The Ten Steps. And um, funnily enough, Glennis, he's the 10 steps, but he mentions this quite a lot. And he's, he is an expert at floating horses, especially problem horses. And he taught me how to float my horses and I, my horses just walk on and self-load. And I, I mean, it's, it's so nice. Anyway, he says, um, you have to be your horse's comfort zone. So when they're near you, you make that space around you super comfortable that you basically are acting like their mother. You know, you're, you're looking out for them. You're their support. You're their safety. And that's what they want. They want to feel safe in the presence of another, whether that be the leader of the herd or a human that's essentially the leader of the herd. Yeah. So um, if, you, if you do the opposite, let's say your horse is near you and you shake the lead or your, you know, body is kind of erratic or you're, um, insecure, unpredictable, or you're moving in an abrupt way, that's not going to make your horse feel comfortable. So it's really important that when your horse is in uh, close proximity to you, even, you know, not like as far as not even having much tension on the lead rope, when they're standing with you, that's really nice. And they're going to be more comfortable. Whereas if you, if you're holding the lead rope, like in the olden days, I was taught to hold the lead rope really high up next to the cliff, you know, cause you've got to have control. And now I do the opposite. I have an open hand. I have slack in the rope. And I want to see if that horse is going to come with me because they want to come with me, not because I need to pull them around. You know, it's a ton of an animal. I can't pull them around anyway. And, and I don't want to. So um, I think the more comfortable you can make it for your horse when they're around you, the better. And I often see that mistake of, especially with loading, sometimes people pull on the rope when they, when they want them to walk onto the float up the ramp. And, and it's like instant anxiety for their horse. So I always say it's really important to have slack in the line, walk up to the float, no pressure. If they stop, they stop, let them think about it and just take it super, super slowly. Because the second you put tension on that rope, it's not comfortable for them. And it's not, it's not a safe place. So um, yes, making sure that your horse feels comfortable in your zone is um, crucial. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking about the floating or the loading, you know, it's, it's pulling on the rope, but it's also standing in their way, you know, so you're in the way and saying, come this way, and the horse goes, well, you're in the way. I can't, I can't keep going. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, that's right. You need to give them space to move forward. Mm, mm. So you might, you know, take the bum bar off the other side and so you can walk up next to them so that both of you have clear passage. Sure. Definitely. And And the other idea too is that rather than, Pressure and release, which is something that, that I don't agree with, 
I think it's more like an invitation and then a reward. So for instance, I worked with a lady recently and got her horses to load um, without anything. No, they were completely at liberty. And she couldn't believe it. She, she said, wow, you know, especially one of them, he was about a 700 kilo purser on, you know, and it's like, there was no way that you could push this guy on with, I don't care what kind of bum rope you have. But what happened was, you know, we, we offered him the invitation and we, he sort of walked on slowly. And then we might even back him up and say, that's exactly what we want. Thank you so much. And it's a slow process. You know, you don't just say, right, I'm going to the competition. Let me load my horse today. It's yes. something that you practice for months. And so you might put him on for a minute or two and then say, that's great. Not just like throw them on, keep them locked in there for hours. You know, you obviously know, Glennis. Yes. But um, these little things make such a difference. Mm. And so when, let's say when this big Percheron got onto the boat, we just hung out. We all ate carrots. It was no problem. Everybody just sort of had a chat. And we were laughing. I was sitting on the little, you know, bench at the front and just doing, again, it's unstructured time. And I left the bum bar open. So if he wanted, he could back off. And it was interesting. So this horse learned how to, how to load very well. Both of her horses, they were completely loading at Liberty. And um, one day she went to an event not long after this. And her tire blew. And it was so lucky that she taught her horses to load so effortlessly because she was on the highway and she needed to unload her horses and load him back up onto another float when her friend could come back and pick her up. So thank God mm-hmm. she had, I mean, it's practical, you know, it's practical that he was able to, um, well, both of them were able to manage in a really high stress situation because they'd been taught calmly and um, peacefully at home. Yeah. So yeah. it's not just airy fairy, it's actually practical. But sometimes when people get stuck, we'll go back to the first thing, you know, stuck on that. I've got expectations. I want to go Grand Prix, whatever. I mean, I know I know that's a big one, but let's just say I want to go to a horse show Mm. or something like that. It's like, let go of that and see what's there for you, because it may or may not be the horse show. It may be that you love lying in the sun as much as I do. And then if you if you're able to connect with them in the paddock and you're able to load them and you're able to do stuff with them then going to a horse show is just another thing that you do together. Yeah, yeah. The next point we can talk about, because that's, you know, being in the horse's comfort zone, but recognising your horse. You know, we all recognise our horse, but I'm sure you've got a lot more depth to it than just recognise your horse. Yeah. um, I feel that horses start to heal the moment you see who they actually are. And I could say that for humans as well. Humans start to heal the moment you see who they actually are. Working in the horse industry, I've seen a lot of damaged horses, both mentally and physically. And when I studied with Klaus Ferdinand Hempling, he spoke at length about recognizing the horse. And he's got a book called What Horses Reveal. And he's defined 26 different character types and how to recognize and work with each type. Once you see what kind of horse is in front of you, it could be, oh, there's so many different kinds. Let's say there's there's the dove, which is like a, a really high energy, brightly Arab um, dish face. It's even, you know, he, bring, he brings it down to the details of the, of the face and the scoop and the nose and the, and the, and the build and the temperament and 
Um, it's quite interesting. And so, of course, you wouldn't work with a, a, a dove, which is like this high energy Arab, in the same way that you might work with, let's say, a, a character he calls a friend, which might be uh, a beautiful draft, you know, a Clydesdale who's super calm and heavy. And um, it's just a completely different experience. Sure. So I think that it's important to um, see who's in front of you and work with them in a way that suits their temperament and their gifts rather than I want a jumper and you know here you're you're working with this Clydesdale and trying to get him to jump and you're wondering why it's not working and or or you're trying to I don't know do something that needs calmness with a with an Arab and it's just not the right blend you know they might want to they want want to go on a little adventure and um so I think it's really um key to see um who your horse is and um and work with him in that way so that you can you can work together rather than just putting your again I'll go back to the beginning the expectation of whatever it is that you want to achieve on your horse so um and I think that's the beginning of having a successful relationship and a, and a wonder I, I use the word wonderful because there's always wonder that comes up and awe like Whenever I let go of the expectations, I see my horse for who they are, and I just spend unstructured time with them. I'm I'm filled with wonder because magic happens. Just different funny things happen that are super cool. So I would invite people to just try it and see what happens. Yeah. I like when you said, you know, horses start to heal the moment you see who they actually are. Yeah. Okay, number nine, because I've changed the numbers around now, is uh, look within (laughs) yourself for fulfilment rather than looking outside and seeking fulfilment through another. This goes for horses and all our relationships. I think quite a lot of these, Lisa, are not just about horses. They're life skills as well, aren't they? They're aligning perfectly with horses. Yeah, absolutely. I guess this is the gift that horses are giving us is that we're able to practice working with our relationship with an animal. I I personally, I love animals. So I find it so much easier to be loving and compassionate and willing to expand and see things with a horse than if a human says to me, you know, Lisa, you're not being very nice about this. I just will instantly go, but when a horse shows it to me, I'm able to absorb it. And so I think that all of these things that I mentioned are definitely not just horse steps. They will dramatically improve your relationship with your horse, absolutely, without a doubt. And they will affect your entire life. And that's how I feel horses have made my life so amazing because of the training that I get from them. And so back to the the, the step, which is to not look to another to fulfill your desires. I, I guess, you know, some people, they look to horses for something, you know, I don't know, Glennis, what it was that you were attracted to with horses. Could you name one thing that you, that you were interested in? In fact, you know, an initial attraction, it was just, they were just big and, and looking in their eyes and yeah, just some sort of connection. You know, and it's the eye that I focus on, I think, probably more than anything, you know, to give that whole expression, connection and everything else. Yeah. Absolutely. And the eye is the window to the soul, isn't it? 
Mm-hmm. And the fact that horses are so able to reflect back to us is so helpful. And so once again, I go back, you know, a lot of people have, have gone to horses in search of, oh, I don't know, freedom, um, power, um, some sense of control in their lives. I'm not saying this is for everybody. I'm just sort of coming up with things that people go to their horses for beauty. And I think that it, it's really important to make that distinction that you can never find something outside of yourself in another. It's always inside of you. And once you find the fulfillment, once I find freedom inside of myself, once I find control inside of myself, once I, I find that I'm empowered as a human, then I'm full, then I'm whole, then I'm really, I'm really pumping, you know? But when, I, when I'm seeking some sort of satisfaction through another, and I find that, um, that commonly, I think it's a, big, it's a big disaster. And I don't think, I think one, that the human's going to be disappointed and, or, or I should say, because people do this quite a lot. Like I mentioned in the, in the past interview, Ren Hurst said that most um, relationships are codependency masquerading as love. And I think that's really important to think about because we don't want to create this codependent relationship where I, ne- I need you to do something for me in order for me to feel fulfilled. And I think that's the recipe for disaster. And so what I would, would stress is to not look to your horse to be anything, to do anything, to offer you anything, and to find those things that you're looking for inside of yourself. I know it's a bit, you know, esoteric, and maybe it's a bit of a, you know, <laughs> a, a spiritual thing that um, I'm not sure some people want to look at, but this is what I've found to be true. Mm. I think um, there's lots of things that you've talked about, Lisa, that just, you know, you can listen to them, but then you need to just go a little bit more and just listen again and, you know, explore. And I think um, if we go back to what you'd said earlier on is what if what you want looks entirely different to what you think. You know, I think if you look at it through those eyes, then you can explore a lot more. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, look, I don't know if um, if this is pertinent to the conversation, but one thing that I've I've realized in this journey with horses is that I love animals. I absolutely love animals. And I find that I'm able to be the best version of myself thanks to animals. And then what happened was I started looking at what I was eating and I became present to the fact that I was eating animals. And then I became present of of the fact what happens to animals and that, you know, there's a big industry basically killing animals for food. And I realized that that wasn't in alignment with my values. And I had to get really present to what was happening. And I changed my diet slowly. It wasn't immediately. At first, I just said, okay, maybe I'll just, you know, stop eating meat and say how I feel. And I didn't cut out dairy and I didn't you know, make a big fuss about it. And then I started to feel much better. I felt stronger. I felt more in alignment. I felt physically and mentally clearer. And, um, and I think that that's one thing the horses are giving us. They're giving us a, a, a place to practice being present to what's actually happening. I grew up with eating, you know, steak and three veg, and that was normal and having a glass of milk with dinner. 
and and now what I'm realizing is in order for me to thrive, I'm a very healthy person. Everybody always says to me, God, you're how old? God, you look like, you know, a decade younger than you are. And I say, oh, that's maybe because I'm immature. But in reality, I think it's habits. And I think it's how we live and it's how we think and it's, it's, it's what we eat and um, how we take care of ourselves. And, and, um, and this is what forces are giving, I think, to, to humans is to, is to reflect about how we're living. And, you know, it seems really like insane to eat animals if you love them. Or it seems insane to, you know, stick a hunk of metal in their mouth and pull on it and expect to, you know, have a great relationship. I mean, and, and then if they if, if they don't stop, you know, you put draw reins on, or you put martingale on, or you put more gear on, and and expect that that's gonna it's it's for me it's insane. Uh, you you know, a lot of us we we go to a job so that, that we don't really like, so that we can pay for our house, so that we can go back to our job, so that we can pay for our house. And what I'm I'm really fascinated by is questioning, and that's what I mentioned in the last interview as well, is to question the system. Because the system isn't working, I feel. I feel that there's room for us to grow and evolve to allow all beings to thrive. That includes us and it includes, it includes all of the land animals and it includes all of the beings in the ocean. And this is really what I'm interested in. So this is what horses have inspired me to, um, to get excited about and try to make a di- difference with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think if anyone wants to know more too, they will be going to Byron Bay and and looking at your website. <laughs> oh, what is it, Byron Bay Natural Horse Centre? Yeah, but look before, is, before yeah. we do that, we're at least at the last one. See your horse as your teacher. Yeah, well, look, I mean that's just perfect to end with because it really needs a very, a very small explanation. It's just it's just allowing them to show us what comes up. And they are our masters at showing us what we need to look at. Yep. So rather than going out there and saying, okay, I'm going to teach you how to do a pee-off today, you know? And it's like, okay, you know, pee-off is beautiful and it is, a, you know, a nice movement and it builds the hindquarters and yes, yes, yes. And what does your horse feel like doing? What, what can they show you about yourself that's even on a, on a, on a bigger picture level, what's really important here? And um, and I feel that they are, are the ones that can show us that. And my life is, has been immensely improved by by the horses in my life. So, um, yeah, they just, how can you say it, Glennis? They're, <laughs> they're, um, they're very special, magical beings that, that can reflect back to us everything that we need. Yeah. Yeah. If we're willing to look at it and we're not confronted by it, you know, that's the thing. Some people are going to say, oh, you know, I, I don't want to I don't want to look at that. I'm happy with the way things are. And and if they are, they are. That's great. But if you want to see change, you know, the horses really um, they call that up. They 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 make you look at the moment. And um, rather than, you know, oh, something happened in the past or you want to attain something in the future. If you're not there in the moment, you miss it. Sure. And um, they're the best teacher. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Lisa, as usual, wonderful talking to you. I think um, if people do would like to contact Lisa, they can contact her through our page, which is horsechats.com slash Lisa Potterson or go to horsechats.com, search for Lisa, L-I-S-A, 
But Lisa, if you'd like to give them your direct number and direct website, what is it? How can they contact you? Yeah, sure. The website is um, Byron Bay Natural Horse Center dot com. It's a long one, but that's what it is at the moment. And um, the phone number is on the website, but I'll give it to you. It's zero four two three zero eight seven six four seven. All right, good. Wonderful to talk to you again, and hopefully we'll catch up with you again sometime soon. Thanks, Lisa. Thanks so much, Glennis. Lovely chatting. Lovely. Bye-bye. Bye. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate, and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government-accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below. 